Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome back to The Stacks. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and today is an episode of The Stacks Book Club, where we do a deep dive into one book. Our book for this week is Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed, and our guest is Kelty Knight. And since I always like to be transparent, there really aren't spoilers on today's episode, so feel free to listen. But before we dive in, here are just a few reminders. First of all, everything we talk about on today's episode can be found in the show notes. There's a link that will take you to all the books, all the people, all the television programs, and whatever else we mentioned. If you're in the market for a book recommendation, you've come to the right place. Our newest segment is called Ask the Stacks, and my guest and I will give you a book based on your tastes. To participate, email askingthestacks at gmail.com with your name, what you're looking for, a few books you've liked, a few books maybe you haven't liked, and then we'll suggest a book for you live on air. So email askingthestacks at gmail.com. Want more of The Stacks? Head over to patreon.com slash The Stacks to be part of our virtual book club, get the inside scoop, be part of our community, and a whole lot more. If you like what you hear, please take a moment to rate and review this show wherever you get your podcasts, especially Apple Podcasts. All right, that's it for announcements this week. Let's get to my conversation with Kelty Knight about Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. Okay, everybody, we are back on the Stacks with our guest, Kelty Knight. Kelty, welcome back. I'm so excited I'm about so this. I'm so excited. This is the Stacks Book Club where we're going to be discussing one book in depth. There are not going to be spoilers today. If you've not read the book, you should read the book. Mm-hmm. It's called Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl, Cheryl Strayed. It's from her time as being an advice columnist, Dear Sugar, mm-hmm. at the rumpus.net, which is an online literary magazine. Um we're just going to dive in. Kelty, what did you think of the book? Well, first of all, I love the way the book is written. It's in little digestible pieces. So I had known Cheryl from the book. Wild. I, wild, yeah. of course. And then she had a couple other books. She, she had another book. Anyway. I don't know. So, oh, Brave Enough. It's right here on the cover. <laughs> there you go. Um, and what I loved about this is that I didn't even realize I was never a follower of Dear Sugar. Were you? No, I didn't know she had I've this never advice. Even heard of De- yeah. Dear Sugar? So it's these little digestible pieces where a listener or someone will write in a question and kind of lay their soul out, and then Cheryl will write it back. But she turns them. It's not so much like here's what you should do. It's like let me tell you a story about my life and what right. I learned, and sort of like a memoir within a 
It was really, really good. Yeah. Really I think good. in the introduction, um, Stephen Allman, I think, who was the previous Dear Sugar before oh. Cheryl Strait, I think he calls it a, an ad hoc memoir. Yeah. Which is like exactly what it feels like. And you know, Dear Sugar is a podcast. Oh, also. So she and I think Stephen, the two sugars, yeah. they do advice still podcasts. So if you want more. And when I posted about this book that I had read it on my Instagram, some people said they didn't love the podcast. They were oh. like, I love her writing. Yeah. And I'm not sure about the podcast. So I, we need to take a listen. I listened to some of it, but I wasn't that into it. Okay. But I only listened to the first part of one episode. But I li- So this is my second time reading this book. The first time I listened to audio and she reads it. Oh, that's And cool. it's actually fantastic. I might have liked it more than that physical reading of the book. Because to hear her say like sweet pea or mm-hmm. like honey bunch, like all those little things, you can hear... Well, let me, I guess I should backtrack. I really like the book because I feel like she gives advice and she shares parts of herself, but she is the right amount of stern or soft or she mixes, you know, sometimes she's like, the problem is you. Mm-hmm. And then she says, and you know what? That's a good thing mm-hmm. because that means you can fix it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about anybody. Like, you know, and that's kind of great advice. Like usually people will say, oh no, like here's what you need to do to fix this. Like this person, that person. Yeah. And she's like, no, the problem is you. Or she'll say, I'm so, so sorry. This happened to you. This terrible thing. Like you are the victim. She doesn't say victim, but she'll be like, you are, you, you have been wronged. Mm -hmm. And like, what are we going to do about it? And so I like hearing it in her voice. I like to hear her voice saying it because you could really get like her empathy and all that. One of the stories that I loved in this, not, no spoilers. It was a woman or someone had written in about a deal that they thought they deserved. I think they were mm. writing their own book. Yes. And they were like, I want a six-figure book deal. Every All my writer friends are getting yes. six-figure book deals. And Cheryl's advice for this person was like, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, I hope. And she ended, like, it was kind of sassy. Like, she ended her little thing with like, Girl, let me know when you get your six-figure book deal. Yeah, because I'm about jealousy. Like yeah. I'm rooting for you, and I hope this happens for you. But like, check yourself. Yeah, you and, know? That, and I, I love that. I love that one. And she says in the letter, the girl's like, "I want my book deal, and I'm jealous of my friends, and I went to a prestigious school." Mm-hmm. And then Cheryl at the end is like, "Also, what is a prestigious school, and what does that mean to you, and what does it mean to you that people who don't go to prestigious schools, and do you know the origin of the word prestige? It comes from like." basically being bullshit yeah so what does that mean about your like she just she takes people down when they need it and then she also like builds people up and like coddles them and it's just like so it's the advice you wish that you could get yes and I have struggled and I love books like this because I've actually struggled in my life because my parents are I would call them basic and like basic that I love. Like mm-hmm. my dad's a mechanic. My mom was a school teacher. Um, I have an older brother who was in a terrible accident. And so he's on disability. So he doesn't mm. work. And like my circle of families are very, very small and they are all blown away by me. Mm. Like they can't even wrap their heads around mm-hmm. like little Kelty from Shore Park lived in New York. And then she has like, she has an assistant. She mm-hmm. like has someone like that mails our mail to us. Like they, and I think that sometimes my my parents are scared of me, mm-hmm. and so I don't always get that, like, there's certain people in your life that you trust enough to break you down and be like, right. you're full of shit right now. Right. And I don't always get that from my family because I mm. think they're a little bit, like, scared and in awe of me, and so they're right. like, oh, I could never tell her that she's being, like, my mom once, like, all these years later was like, 
you know, it does upset me when you only call once a week. Like, I want to hear from you more. Like, sometimes a month will go by and I haven't heard from you, like, a ton. And I'm just like, why didn't you ever just pick up the phone and call me? And she's like, no, 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 I know you're busy. And I'm like, that's such a dick move. But so anyway, I love my point being I love a book like this because sometimes in my life I don't. I live in Hollywood, so I have a lot of yes men around me. Mm. And so I like to read these stories because I'm like, ooh, am I – Am I getting into my, like, I deserve my prestigious school? Like, am I being that entitled, entitled, you know? So I like that. Yeah. That was a long story to get to like the fact that I like that No, it's true. I felt that way too. So when I first read this book last year, it was right when the stacks was starting. I think I had like maybe two episodes or four episodes out. And there's a, there's a letter, letter very early on also about a writer who's talking about how she writes like a girl and she's depressed and blah, blah, blah. And the advice that Cheryl gave her was, first of all, write like a motherfucker, which I loved. Mm-hmm. And also she was like, you need to be humble and you need to find the humility and you need to do the work and like – it may not be good and that's fine. And who do you think you are that your work should be good, but you need to do the work and you need to do the best that you can. Mm-hmm. And like that hit me in such like right in the gut. And that stuck with me since starting this podcast. And so reading it again mm-hmm. for this episode, which yes. is especially exciting to me because like now the stacks is on a network yeah. and like, there's all this exciting stuff. I was like, wow. I did, I did, you know, podcast like a motherfucker and like, and got noticed. And yeah, and like I did the work and that wasn't really the intention. Like I never dreamed a year ago that I would be like on Lady Gang Network. Like that's like a big deal, you know? And so I feel like rereading that moment and being like, wow, I just had to do the work. Like I couldn't get caught up in other things. And like, you know, I just had to put my head down and podcast like a motherfucker. And like, you know, so that kind of advice, like, it stuck with me and a lot of the stuff reading it again, I was like, Oh, right. Still important. So important. Becca from lady gang always, um, actually just, I love that you always say Becca from lady gang. I think the assumption is that it's Becca from lady gang. Okay. Unless you say another Becca. Well, I don't know what your people know. Well, I don't know. Becca's been on the show. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Becca, okay. So Becca always says, um, and she, she reminds me like every three or four months, but even just this week, um, you know, as our brand and our business has grown, we are pulled in many directions. And she said this thing to me and she was like, you know, Kelty, like, I think that we really need to focus and be really precious about what goes out on the podcast. And we had an episode and the sound quality wasn't amazing and it was a little rushed and it's just one of those things. We have so much Mm -hmm. going on. And she was like, you know, because at the end of the day, like all these other things that are happening for us are because we like podcasts like a motherfucker, right. you know? And like, that is, that's our bread and butter. And that is like our home. This mm. is where people come to connect with us. And so don't get too hyped up on all the other things that are happening and the moving parts and the pressures, because this is like your one thing. And I think it's really, that was great advice similar to this where yeah. it's like, don't worry about like if people are writing about your press or you're going right. to get a whatever season right. of your TV show, like do the thing you do and do it so well. Right. And then like all the accolades and whatever, the success will come. Right. Everyone wins in success. Yeah. You know, have you heard of the 80, 20 rule? No. Okay. I used to work at Lululemon and Lululemon is, a, I, I liked working there. What I like the most is that they have a core library for the employees that like, there's like a bunch of books that stay at the store for employees to borrow, but they also have like a list. Anyways, one of the books, I can't remember which one it was. It was like something about shopping, like stores. And it had this thing in it called the 80-20, which is that 80% of 
80% of like what you focus on should be your bread and butter and 20% should be whatever else. Like if you go in a Lululemon store, it's about 80% women's clothing, 20% men's or 80% fitness clothing, 20% like lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And that like you do what you do well fully Mm -hmm. and you have this little tiny part where it's like, this is where I experiment. This is where I try new things. And it's kind of like that. It's like 80% of whatever you're doing should be the thing Mm -hmm. and 20% should be whatever else is in that moment for you. I love that. And that's kind of like what you're saying. Yeah. I love the 80, 20. They also have like the why that Simon Sinek book, like start with why he did a Ted talk. That's also, I think part of the Lululemon or it was when I worked there, like a long time ago. Did you get a crazy discount? Yeah, I got a good discount. I, if you I were, have a pair of Lululemon sweatpants from 2003. I have I have the pants. So they ha- when wear. I went to my interview, which I started working there in 2010, and for your interview, you have to wear a piece of Lululemon or something. And so I wore these pants that I still wear now, and I wore them while I work there. And they got a, I ripped a hole in them. I sat on a nail. Awesome. And my best friend sewed them up for me, and I still wear them around the house. I love them so much. Yeah, so girl. anyways, I Get love it. Lulu. Get your life. Um. Okay, so here's like kind of a weird – not weird. Here's like a bookish question for you, really structure-based. Did you feel like you understood when the breaks came in the book? There's like five sections, and no. each – me neither. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't, fi- like, it wasn't like, oh, these ones are about love and these ones are about oh, life. Oh, they had that? No, it, I mean, they had sections, but I couldn't figure out why oh. she had sections. And each section started with, like, a few questions for sugar. Um, oh, yeah, like where it was, like, five people that were all kind of talking about the same thing. No, no, it was here. This part. Yeah, yeah, this part, yeah, where they would, like, it had a title, oh. and then it was, like, a section, and there were, like, five of them, but I couldn't figure out inside the book why there was a break yeah I didn't need it I take it out I liked like hearing from sugar but I also felt like what is it demarcating yeah I've even forgot that happened okay so don't so we won't do that in the lady gang book well if you do just make it really clear yeah Um, I would have rather like a little drawing a picture of her, just her like glam shots, yeah. her headshots through the years. Yeah. So on the Lady Gang, you guys give advice on the podcast. Yeah. And in reading this book, I kind of want to talk about giving advice because I feel like it's hard. Yeah. How do you guys approach it? Slash, do you even really have an approach? Yeah. Our approach is like, we give you the worst advice. Okay. Like we are, we give you bad advice. And that is like, we basically say before you answer the advice questions, like ask the Lady Gang when we come back, we're going to fix your lives. And like, what we mean by that is like, this is the worst advice. Take it with a (laughs) grain of salt. Um, But I think that the best advice you can get sometimes is when people aren't too precious about your feelings. Right. Because like I said with yes, man, like if you ask me for advice, right now sitting here, mm-hmm. I would be like, well, this is my friend, Tracy. Right. She's part of our network. And so like, I'll give her advice, but it's going to be buffed out with, with a soft focus because mm-hmm. I would never want to hurt her feelings. Right. So I'd never right, right, want right. to, you know, and I think sometimes when these advice columns or books or things come to lady gang and they're like anonymous or whatever, we're like, fuck that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we can, like, I right. don't know you, I don't know who you are. And so right. when they're asking about jobs or money or relationships or whatever, you're like, this is a bad guy run the other way. But right. I would never be able to tell my girlfriend that when she's dating right. a bad guy, right. cause I would be more precious about it. That's true. That's interesting. Do you ever feel like 
Do you ever get to hear back from people? We do. There are often times, especially because we have this little Facebook group, um, a secret Facebook group. It's not really that big of a secret, but anyway, <laughs> I like to say secret Facebook group. It feels good. It feels cool. Um, so a lot of times girls will be like, hey, by the way, on the podcast that week, that was me. Here's an update mm. on what happens. And, and you know, I think the thing about advice, asking for advice and getting advice is that you always know what you need to do in mm-hmm. your gut. Yep. And she says that in the book. Yeah. It's like, you know, like I'll ask you advice. Like when you're dating a bad guy or you're in a bad job or you are on the wrong path or you have an issue with dependency or whatever these things are, when you are brave enough to go out and be like, Hey, what do you think I should do? You already know what you should do. Mm. So your advice is just pushing you in the right direction. You know what I mean? I like about this book. Cheryl is sometimes pushing you in a direction saying what you're your gut is probably saying to you, but also adding like a little like kind of tough love on top of mm-hmm. it of like, while you're down there, yeah, <laughs> like right. also get this shit together, also get your ego in thing. check, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I love advice. And I think the the truth is like, um, when we started Lady Gang, our whole mission statement is just to make women feel less alone. Mm. So everything we do comes from the lens of, we're going to talk about our poop. We're going to talk about our periods. We're going to talk about our relationship. We're going to talk about business. We're going to talk about whatever because we don't want you to feel like you're the only one going through it. Right. Um, and so when we give advice, it's like everyone wants to be loved. Everyone wants – everyone thinks that they want to be in a relationship or society is like fed us to be like, mm-hmm. oh, you have to – get married and have a family and have a mortgage for like happiness, which I don't believe is the truth, but, um, everyone wants to feel like they are appreciated in their life, you know, at work, in their families and their relationships and their friendships. And it all comes from that. And then every, right. and then the biggest thing that we all disagree on, and I don't know what girls want is like weddings. Mm. Like some people are like, I, if you don't pick me to be a bridesmaid, I'm pissed off. <laughs> Some people like me, I'm like, please don't make me your bridesmaid. I don't want to do it. I don't like you that much. I don't want to be in your dress. I don't want to plan that for you. But the the one thing that we that divides lady kind Mm -hmm. is what they what a good wedding is. Interesting. What do you think a good wedding is? I got married. This is my second wedding. My second marriage to my husband Chris. I had a bad twenties marriage um, when I was like 19. It was anyway, that's a whole other thing. But um, we got married in the backyard with a taco truck and mm. that was like exactly how I wanted. I didn't, my dog was my bridesmaid. Like I didn't, I didn't want any of that stuff. Like I didn't want any of it, but I also had experienced it once. So I knew that it was very unfulfilling, but I do also know that there's girls with a princess dream. What's yeah. yours? Well, I, my wedding was perfect oh, for yeah. me. My wedding, we got married at the Asian Art Museum in San Francisco. And we talked about this last week, the Met Gala. My, like, I don't believe in themes for a wedding. That's not something I'm into. But I had, like, an intention. And what I wanted was I wanted my wedding to feel like my friends and family, our friends and family, got invited or found out about the Met Gala and crashed it. So it was black tie. It was at a museum, but we served fried chicken. Cute. We, like, our napkins all said, like, drunken love. Like, it was, like, a fun. Cute. We played a lot of swear words on our music. Yeah. So it was, like, a full party. Yeah. Right after the ceremony, dancing first. Cute. Like, it was definitely a party. Um, but it was fancy. Like, it was, like, a real. You went there. We did, like, a real wedding. I don't wear a princess dress, but close enough. Yeah. Um, but. One of the pieces of advice I always give people is have a wedding. Yeah. Even if it's small, even if it's in a courthouse, do it. Because my father used to, my father used to say two things. One thing was 
make sure the wedding's good because you never know how the marriage will be. True. <laughs> and then the other thing is like, there's only one time in your life that everybody shows up for you. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two times, but the second time is your funeral. Yeah. So you have this one opportunity to be with all the people that love you. So just have the wedding. Yep. It doesn't matter if it's black tie at a, at a Met ball. Met yeah. gala or if it's in your backyard in a taco truck or if it's at the courthouse with your closest, nearest and dearest, have a day where you invite people to be around you and celebrate your love because it's a really magical day. Yeah. And one of the proudest things that I will say about our wedding, we've been married six years now, is that I was really, really precious about who I invited. Mm. No people from work. Like, I'm sure that everyone was talking shit about me in these walls. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't invite anyone from ET or from CBS. Like, no bosses, no any anyone, none of Chris's clients. Like, it was, it was just, like, our family and, like, our best, like, lifer friends. Wow. And I can look back and be, like, six years later, like – all of those people that were there that day are still, still in, my in my life. life. Yeah. Which is, I've been to so many weddings of like, oh, I was just working with this person at the time. Right. And it's like, they must look at their wedding photos and be like, remember when I knew that girl? Right. So, right. I only had one work person, but she's still my friend. Hey. Um, but if you don't get married. But I'm not judging you. Live yeah. your life. Yeah. No, you I You want to have a bunch of strangers at your wedding, no, Tracy. Go that's ahead. not me. But I will also say this. If you are not getting married, you have no intention to get married, that's not something that's in your plans. One of my mom's best friends. Well, they're actually not friends anymore. Sorry. Uh, one of my mom's old friends, They, she had a 50th or 60th birthday, birthday party, party where she wore all white and she made her girlfriend's dress in like match with her. Cute. She was like, I would have spent this money on a wedding and I didn't. So I did this. But it's important at some point in your life to have a celebration where everyone you know comes together when you're alive and healthy and well. Mm-hmm. I just That's like my number one piece I of advice. That that I give I love that. to people who ask me about weddings. <laughs> okay, dear sugar, which is like apparently all the time. It actually comes up more than you would think. Weddings come up all the time. It's all people care about. Yeah, it's true. And then it's over and you're broke. You have pictures. <laughs> My pictures are nice, but they're not nice enough for how much money. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, what well speaking of advice, what's some of the best advice you've received? Oh god, everyone wants to give me advice. Um, let's see. Uh, oh you know what? My boss here at CBS is this woman, my EP, her name's Sharon Hoffman. Hey, Sharon. <laughs> um, she, when I was on the sister show of Entertainment Tonight, I was on the show, The Insider, for many years, and I was, like, really hustling. And when she came over, she was EPing both shows, and I was trying to get to know her and just, like, having a first chat or whatever. And I think that's the second or third time we met up. She, I was having some issues with um someone that was working here we basically did the same job so there was a lot of like that woman on woman competition Mm. and I never really realized it anyway it was a real shady situation and it made me become the worst version of myself because Mm -hmm. I got I never go low but when someone goes low against me I all of a sudden like went low instead of going high and I was like oh Michelle Obama would be so mad um (laughs) Anyway, I love your book. <laughs> I love your book. Um, so uh, she sat me down in an office and she goes, you know, Kelty, you're a really ambitious woman. And I've heard this throughout my life. And there's always a tinge of like ambitious, mm-hmm. like you're a dick. Right. And she goes, and that is not a bad thing. I love ambitious women. You just have to make sure that all your ambitions are you're focusing on yourself. Mm. You're, you can rise. Like, you know what I mean? You can go to the top. There's nothing wrong with wanting at all, but don't step on people to get there. Just be great. 
you know? Right. And I loved that because I felt like I always had to apologize for like, you know, people are like, what do you want? I'm like, I want that job. Right. And people are like, who the hell does she think she is? Well, if I don't believe right. that I can do it, no one else is going right. to believe in me. And like I said, my parents are not famous people. I've never been handed anything on a silver platter. So it's like, right. if I don't think I can go to the top, no one else is going to push me up there. Right. And I've always felt that way. And then you kind of get like dogged for it. Right. You're like, oh, she's so like ambitious you're so uh, she's she's ambitious like right go like your- it's a bad thing yeah or like that you would ever say that about a man oh he's so ambitious yeah of course he is he wants to be the jeff bezos well right but you would say it like oh he's such a power bob he's so ambitious love him yeah. like he just he's, he's really a go-getter, a go-getter. <laughs> yep that's right yeah. so there's a guy i follow on twitter his name's shay serrano he's a sports writer he's just like a funny guy he's so great he uses twitter for good i just he, he's writing a book He's his third. It's called Movies and Other Things. It's coming out in October. And just like putting this in the universe, Shay, please come on the stack. Oh, we're getting him. Um, Shay's coming. Love him. But he always tweets these like motivational things. But sometimes he'll tweet like, shoot your shot, which, mm-hmm. but the one that I love the most is somebody has to do that job, might as well be you, mm-hmm. which is true. It's like you might say, hey, I want that job, but like someone's going to get it. Mm-hmm. So. Put your head down, get it done. But I love that it's like, and make sure that your ambition is focused on you yeah, and not like taking other people out. On the way. Because you can take them out on the way in the pettiness, just like you just look back as you pass them. Yeah, bye. Know? I'm as in the car. you your blinker on and you cut them <laughs> off. <laughs> no, um, Mindy Kaling had this great, um, this great tweet that was like, why the fuck not me should be your new life motto. Mm-hmm. And I was like. I like it. There's so many people who say great things like that. And I think it's hard to take it to heart. Um, There's Tracy Clayton. She has a, she used to have a podcast called another round Mm -hmm. and it was on Buzzfeed. And now I don't know, but she, they always used to say, live your life or like, believe in yourself like a mediocre white guy. (laughs) No, it's true. It's true. It's like, you see these white men, no offense, but whatever you see them. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, I just, I did an internship and now I'm, you know, and it's like, if, or like people who submit their resumes for things that they're unqualified for. That's like a number one white guy thing. Yeah. But like women or people of color think, like, oh, oh, I don't have enough experience. Just fucking turn in your resume. If they turn you down, they turn you down. You didn't have enough experience, but like get in there. Yeah, yeah I know. I mean, to a point. Also, if you're applying for a job and it's like, you must have this and you literally have don't never nothing. done it, please save your resume. Yeah. But like, I like no, that advice true. too. Just, Just go like, for it. Go for it. Whatever. One of my other favorite pieces of advice is two bathrooms. You can have two bathrooms, have two bathrooms in your home or apartment. In my old house, Chris and I each had our own bathroom and now we are sharing one. It's new. I mean, we have many bathrooms. So Chris, like I still make them like, yes, my husband has another bathroom, but yes, two bathrooms. When we got our first apartment together, someone was like, get two bathrooms if you can. Yeah, sure did. And now we're married. Hey, it worked out. (laughs) Hey, we did it. Yay. What's advice that you like to give? Um, I mean, people are always like, what should I do? I, I think that, um, my advice for work, because I really can't give people life advice, um, <laughs> is just do the job, do the job first and do it really well and then worry about everything after. So like much like what you were saying, a lot of, a lot of little baby hosts or people and I'll use hosts, but like, please pull that into whatever you're doing. They'll come and they'll be like, Oh, yeah, I want that job and like, but you got to pay me and I got to have this and this and this. And it's good to want those things, 
but there's a part of your life where you just have to prove it to everyone that you mm-hmm. can do it a little bit and not be too precious about title, whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. Like eventually you'll get there and you can ask for those things. But when I first started working here at CBS, um, they're paying me $65 a week and I was making videos, editing them, um, you know, putting them up, writing the copy, doing everything myself, no help. And because they were like, well, we don't know if you're going to work. So we don't know if we can like invest our, you know, four different people that we're paying $60,000 a, a year to, to come here. And then after, you know, a month, two months, three months, they were like, oh, wow, click, 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 click. People are watching your stuff. They're listening to it. And then I got a cameraman and then I got an editor right. and then and they added it onto it. And then now I have like the dream job. So right. it's like a decade of hard work. But I had to start off there being like, yes, and I will teach dance on the weekends, yeah. even though I'm a CBS employee, because I had to, you know, show people that I could do the job and not get too precious about. I need a car. Right. I need a like that stuff will come. That stuff Does that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, in the book, we kind of touched on this. She talks a lot about like you kind of know the answer, or she implies it. Sometimes she says it expressly. Like mm-hmm. she, I think there's a part where she's like, "I get two kinds of letters. One is people who know the answer, and one are people who've legitimately lost your way, their mm-hmm. way." Um, and I I find that to be somewhat reassuring like as a human who's navigating the world, like that you could trust your gut. And for the most part, you know, that you're okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to figure it out. And like, there's a whole section where someone asks her, I guess she talks about something called becoming not Michelle Obama, but similar in that, like you kind of just have to go on your journey. And in the end, you know, there might be something that all works out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I really liked that because it made the mistakes or the mistakes that I've made or the things that I wish I had to do over on feel like, well, maybe there's purpose in that. Like there's a hopefulness in this book that I really appreciated Me too. Yeah. Because it was like, sure. All these terrible, terrible things. But then like you're on the way to something like she taught the story she tells about her becoming is she's at a yard sale with her mom and her mom, she sees this dress she really likes. It's like a little baby red dress and she loves it. And she keeps looking at it. Her mom's like, oh, you love that dress. And she's like, no, no, no. And she's like, I'm going to get it for you. She's like, no, I don't have a dollar. She's like, I have a dollar. So the mom gets the dress. Within a few months, the mom has died. Um, like a quick death. It's devastating to her. You know, Cheryl goes on to do a lot of drugs and fuck a lot of men and all this stuff. And then fast forward, she gets married for her second time and has a daughter eventually. And the daughter wears the dress mm-hmm. in at Christmas. And like, she says like, Holy shit, my daughter's wearing a dress that her grandmother bought, bought for her. her. I know. And like that, I got chills just now, like that kind of stuff, like that kind of connection to the advice, mm-hmm. like coming from that place, I thought was just really powerful and like meaningful. And it made me feel like, people are in your life for a reason or like mm-hmm. these moments are, these moments are part of it. And that's another letter. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. The guy who's like, what, what the fuck? What the fuck? And she's like, the fuck is your life? Mm-hmm. And like the whole point, that's the whole Just point. Deli- yeah. Just like you have to go on this journey and it's the whole thing. It's the whole big, beautiful mess. I was listening to Tony Robbins cause I'm like really into 
Becca got me into the Tony Robbins <laughs> of it all. And he was just like, you know, I got to be honest with you. Like, there's never going to be a time that you have it all figured out. He's like, right. but you need to, like, sit back. And while you're figuring it out, which is P.S. your entire life, you need to have good posture. <laughs> and you need to, like, smile at people. Like, he's like, you know, you need to enjoy the struggle of figuring it out. But, by the way, you'll never figure it out. And when you do, you'll be dead. You're dead. You know? The end. And I was like, oof, shit, this is so dark. Yeah. Dark arts. You'll love it. Yeah, I love it. Wait, so I don't know Tony Robbins that well. I'm not really into the advice thing. It's not something that I, like, Mm -hmm. really read or pay attention to. But is he perfect? No. No? No, no, no. I think, okay, so my husband. That was in quotes. Perfect was in quotes. So I think um, this is, there's two different. There's many kinds of therapy, right? So there's the kind of therapy that I've gone to for many years where, like, I sit in a room and then I just complain about my life and the person's like, oh, and you just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. And then there's, like, the Tony Robbins. And my husband this year had – he had a really rough year. Um, One of his bosses had passed away really suddenly Mm -hmm. at Christmas last year and his, like, whole business was, like, pulled to a million different places. And he was just really upset and – changing his business and mourning a friend at the same time, never easy. And so I was like, you should go to therapy. And he went to therapy and he came home and he was like, therapy is bullshit. Like, Mm -hmm. he's like, they didn't tell me what to do. Hmm. And I was like, well, that's not what really what therapy is. Like, I don't know that they're going to be able to be like, do this and do this and do this and you'll feel happy. But that's kind of what Tony Robbins is, is he's like an inspirational speech, but he's also like, hey, I want you to do this thing. I want you to make a list and this list on this side and this is and think about it. Or, okay, today I want you to go for a walk outside. And while you're walking, I want you to do this breathing exercise. And then I want you to sing this little song. And there's a reason why when you go to Disneyland and you go on It's a Small World After All. And he's like, it's a small mm-hmm. world. That gets stuck in your head for days on end. He's like, I want you to make your song about I'm going to prosper or whatever. And, like, sing it to yourself on this walk. And then that will get stuck in your head. And it's going to mm. change the brain waves. Like, it's it's a to-do list on how to like get there. So it's a little, he's not perfect, but he's like a teacher with a step-by-step things you can do. And I think for some people that are like list people like me mm-hmm. who maybe can't be like, just oh my God, have a sense of gratitude. What does right. that mean? Right. Like what, when, right. like when how? do I, how do I pencil that into my schedule? And like right. his stuff's a little bit more like concrete, concrete. And like, here's what you do on a Monday. Interesting. But do you get a sense of him as a person? You do get a sense of him as a person. He's, you know, he's very successful. Um, you get a sense that he is, um, he tells like, adv- he tells stories not in the way like Cheryl goes so deep into her right. life. He, you, he talks a little bit about his past and stuff, but it's more about here's what you need. It's a very, it's more like a go-to guide. Got it. More than a go do this and I'll tell you like a chapter about when I was addicted to meth. Got like it. it's not right. really the right. same. This book is very, very different. Interesting. Yeah. I don't really, this isn't a genre that I spend a lot of time in, which is why I think I love this book because mm-hmm. it felt like, right. Cause I like that she is not perfect. Yes. Like I like that she's kind of a mess and it feels like even though her advice is really good, it's probably pretty messy. Yeah. Tony's the same way, but I also think that the best people, like I think we, I always say this thing on lady gang, like I just cut all the righteous friends out of my life. Mm. Um, I think anyone that thinks they have it two together is mm-hmm. just not someone that I can be around. Right. I like my people to be messy right. and I like 
that if someone has good advice for me, it's because they've already been through A, B, and C and can be like, hey, listen. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I don't like anyone that's too precious about their life or their perfection or they don't want to. Like my least favorite thing is when people are like, I don't go into like the negative space. Oh. And you're like. No, like I live in the negative. But also, like, what are you repressing? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. like, y- I'm happy for you that you're like going to keep it positive, but sometimes shit sucks. Right. You know, and it's okay to say shit sucks. Yeah. My, so my father passed away a few years ago. Mm, now it's almost it's getting to be more than a few. But anyways. Uh, one of our really good family friends, I got a lot of letters and Facebook things and it was all very nice. And everyone's like, I'm sorry for your loss or I'm praying for you. And I was like, this is a waste of my time. I don't want to read these, whatever. But one of our family friends sent me an email that was like, when my dad died, I found him in the house and he was on the floor and he had fallen and like all this stuff. And this is shitty and it doesn't get easier and it feels like shit and like boo who like this sucks. And this is, he's in his 60s, this man mm-hmm. who wrote this letter to me. And it was one of the few things that I saved that were electronic from that time. Like I've saved a few emails that I thought were like really good or I call them my joy emails. Um, but it was like the being like, I've been there and it's shitty and like, I'm not going to tell you anything else. And when I spoke to him on the phone, he was like, how you doing? And I was like, I'm sad. And he's like, yeah, that's a long time of that, you know? And it was like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Because I, I appreciate people's thoughts and prayers. And I know that that comes from partially like not wanting to go to the negative space and possibly partially maybe not having experienced something like that. And I think a lot of times, when things are really hard and shitty, if you haven't experienced it, you don't know how to approach it. And I'm really bad at that. Like I'm really bad at illness. I don't, I'm not a good friend when it comes to that. I just, it's my own bullshit, but having someone be like, this is shitty. So now when I have friends who lose parents, I always send an email that's like, this is shitty. I'm there. If you want to talk to me, I'm available. If not, get some Kleenex, like you're going to ride it out. And I try to check in with them like throughout that first year because people always forget to check in. But I always say that. And I also always say that first week when everyone else around you is really sad, you should luxuriate in that a little bit because you're going to be sadder longer than pretty much everyone else. But that first week you have like a sad community. And you're allowed. And you're allowed. And like for me, when we had people come to the house like that all that first week and my dad's friends would come over and they would look so sad that it would make me so sad because I re- it was the first time I realized that all of these people had known my dad for like 50 years. I was like, I've only known you for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And like it was the first time it really dawned on me how sad it is when your friends die. Mm-hmm. Like I knew that, but like seeing it and my mom, we're, we're, I guess my mom's Jewish. So I'm Jewish. We're Jewish. And there's like a phrase that they say that's like, let their, let their memory be a blessing. And that's really what that first week was. It was like when I got sad again, I could like lean into that. I don't even know how I got on this topic. Oh, because she's so good about like getting into the muck with you. Yeah. And like sometimes the best advice is like, this is horrible. You know, and your options are to be sad or to do something terrible to yourself and like maybe just be sad and be okay with being sad. Yes. As opposed to like destructing your whole life. Yeah. Try to like try to stay in perspective of like you're not supposed to feel great today. Like the one with the guy whose kid died in the car accident. That one made me cry both times. Mm. But it's like she basically says like I'm really sorry for you and this is really shitty and like 
I hope that you're going to be able to find forgiveness and acceptance and like, you don't have to. And if you can, that would be the grace of your son, you know? And like, ugh, I know just so good. Becca said something to me, um, about grief. She's and it, it has stayed with me and I've repeated it to so many people. She said, I was going through something. Um, and she goes, so listen, uh, here's the thing. It's always going to suck. Mm-hmm. It's always going to hurt. And you're always going to miss them. At some point it becomes less debilitating. Yeah. And that's all she said. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. Like, thank you. Because everyone was like, you'll be fine. I don't want to be yeah. fine. I, I don't wanna... feel fine. A big yeah. fucking part of my heart is ripped out, right. you know? Yeah. And like, it hits you at random times, times. like things Years that later. you're like, what? Yeah. Like, why am I sad right now? And then like for me, so my dad died in February, always in February, like it'll be January 31st and I'll be like, da, 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 da. I'm February 1st. I'm like, I'm having such a bad day. And it's like, I don't even look at the calendar, right. but like your You're, body no, knows. Your like psyche knows it. Yeah. It's so weird and crazy. And like for, yeah, I don't know, but it's true. Becca's a hundred percent right. It always sucks and you always feel sad. And eventually, and like also, you know, the sad memories start to fade. Like mm-hmm. my father was ill for a long time mm-hmm. and those aren't the memories that Keep. I think of so much anymore. Yeah. But it's interesting. And I think she says in another one about a girl whose mother died and the boyfriend writes in and it's like, my, my girlfriend is really sad. And she's like, you know, she's always going to be sad. It's never going to be okay that her mom died when she was 16 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's something really reassuring in someone saying this thing that happened to you that has wrecked you is not okay. And it's never going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And like that, that's enough. Yeah. And okay. Right. So then you continue living. Yeah, because then you have the permission to be like, oh, I am right in my sorrow. I'm right in my pain. Yeah. Like, I'm in the right place. And Father's Day is always going to be horrible. Father's and... Day is garbage. Right. It's like, what yeah. a shitty day. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm not alone. A lot of people have daddy issues and things like that. No, so I, sure. I feel, I feel seen on Father's Day when Twitter's like, I'm thinking my mom again because I didn't have a dad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not me, but I definitely right. feel like, I, don't have to, I feel like Mother's like, Day I'm is even sk- harder yeah, for people. Yeah. I'm going to skip this section of yeah. the Hallmark. I'm like, people are like, oh, what are you doing today? I'm like, I don't know. Not hanging out with anybody's dad. Thanks for offering. <laughs> but we all have our ways of like coping with yeah. things or whatever. Um, that was like a major personal tangent. So I, know, I loved it. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's a tiny, beautiful thing. About it is. You. It is a tiny, beautiful thing. Oh, I want to talk about one that I just thought was genius. Okay. It was the spaceships in the night one, like passing in the night. It was about the the guy who wasn't sure if he wanted to have kids. Yes. And she told him, I guess maybe Tony Robbins-y, write a list yeah. of all the things you'll have if you, you think you'll have if you have kids. And all the things you think you'll have if you don't have kids. So like hiking in Mongolia versus okay. like a dance recital or graduation. She said, like, get on the floor, write your list, have your giant butcher paper of all the things and then like see which one you can't live without essentially and she's like you'll never know and like having kids might be your nightmare and you'll never know but like I just liked that idea of like there are two options for or three or four for a lot of things and that you can imagine it and then you let it go and you think like there's another version of me in the alternate universe that has children Mm -hmm. and like that person's at soccer practice right now and yeah. I'm at brunch. <laughs> yeah. No, I had this really, this, th- that part really spoke to me because I've, um, and I've been talking about this a little bit, but I like had that OBGYN appointment where she's like, if, if this is not, you, you, 
bags are gone. Like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're old. You're dried up. Um, and obviously, I don't have children. And um, But I, I've always wondered, like, people are like, oh, at some point, like, it's going to kick in. It's going to kick in. And you're going to want them. But I realized I've been doing a lot of self-searching about this that – Way back, so I had an aunt and uncle, my brother's, my mom's brother, um, who, when we were growing up, were like our fun-loving, fun aunt, uncle, and they took us camping in Jasper, and like we had this great life, and they really wanted kids, and they couldn't get pregnant, so they adopted, and they have had an adoption where um, I have to, I want to be careful with what I say here, but not everyone needs to have kids and they had an adoption where the baby ended up having fetal alcohol syndrome and Mm. has turned their life upside down in so many ways Mm -hmm. they've never since been the fun loving people that go to jasper with their kid with any kid with their grandbabies like their marriage is now like every part is hard Mm -hmm. and i feel like this really affected my psyche because this happened when i was like in junior high school um they had this they adopted this baby it was their dream baby and then everything changed because Mm. this was not what they signed up for when you think oh i'm gonna adopt this baby i mean you never know when you're what's gonna happen when you have your kid right um, but you, you, you work so hard and you can't get pregnant and then this miracle baby comes into your life and then it is just hard forever. Um, and I think there's a part of me that's like, I like my life and I'm risk adverse in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I don't go on roller coasters. I've never <laughs> been on a roller coaster. I'm still, still scared to fly. And so like, I'm a planner. And so like, I, I don't know that I can welcome the unknown that mm. I can't plan into my, like, I don't know. Just so scary. I don't know how people do it. Right. You just like take this leap of faith and like, I'm going to create a baby. Like, right. Oh, like, but wouldn't Cheryl Strayed say to you, but you still don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow, even if you plan all these things. She would say that. I mean, that's what you would I'll say. Not like, that you have Cheryl, to have children. You don't know. Cause I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm planning every moment. Of, right. You know, but yeah, no, I know. It's like, it's really, what am I going to do? <laughs> well, it's okay. You don't have to have kids. The stacks. I'm going to freeze my eggs. What's happening? Oh my God. Okay. Don't be stressed. Okay. You'll be a... You'll the next book you read is going to be like, Kelty, all the things I regret about yeah. not having children by Kelty Knight. No, but I mean, I also feel like there's so much like pressure to have children that it makes it hard to even know if that's what you really want. And the fear of missing out. It's like, that's like the most FOMO-y thing in the world. FOMO. Like FOMO is like true for like a par- party, but like it's really true. I feel like more than anything for kids. Cause it's like for women, you only have this little narrow window. Just so messed up. And like for men, it's like, oh, I can do it whenever, mm-hmm. you know? And like for women, it's like, not only can I only do it in this small amount of time, but if you're an ambitious, you know, um, working yeah. person who has you know, your own professional dreams and whatever. It just so happens that having kids coincides with some of your most creative and fruitful years as a human being on the earth. And like, imagine if men had to put put their part of their lives on hold from their mid to late twenties to their mid to late thirties. Obviously people can have pregnancies outside of that range, but like that's, it's so ridiculously unfair. So unfair. (laughs) It's so unfair. And yet Women do it. They do it. They do it and I, all I the have, time. I have friends that they do it in- incredibly well. I they do it incredibly do well. It. I don't know how they do it either. I also don't have children. And it's something that we're thinking about kind of. And every time I'm like, how would I do any of these things? But then again, I'm like, you figure it out. Mm-hmm. You never think. You never think the things that get in your way are coming. 
And then surprise, you have something you have to get around, over, under, or through. I just know that I spend half my salary on a dog walker and dog watcher because I travel so much. So, like, can you imagine if it was a ch- child that well, you can't just, like, you, drop off and put in a crate? Yeah, you get a nanny and they walk the dog and the baby. I guess so. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to have four more jobs. Thanks, okay. Tracy. I solved one problem I sure for hope you. this stacks is a big success. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I can hire that nanny. I need a nanny. I don't have a dog, thank God. One less expense. Um... Were there any other stories that stuck out for you? Yes, I have one. Maybe we can. Okay. Oh, it's called um, The Empty Bowl. Mm. And the person she's writing to is Dear Could Be Worse. Um, And so at the end, she goes... um, And Could Be Worse's dad is an asshole, and she doesn't know if she wants to invite the dad to the wedding or not. Correct. But I think the little piece of advice here is like a little bit... I'm taking it more universal. And she goes, um, perhaps uh, the word for you is healing. And we don't want to believe that. We want to believe healing is pure and more perfect, like a baby on its birthday. Like we're holding it's, we're holding healing in our hands. Like we're better people than we've been before. It is that feeling. It is on that feeling that I have survived and it will be your salvation too, my dear. When you reach the place that you recognize entirely that you will thrive, not in spite of your losses and sorrows, but because of them, that you would not have chosen these things that happen in your life, but you are grateful for them, that you have two empty bowls eternally in your hands, but you also have the capacity to fill them. Mm. I just love that. So good. I just think it's like, you know, don't wish for bad things to not happen or for emptiness or p- people to fall out of your lives. But like every single day you have these two bowls in your hands right. and you get to choose what you fill them with. And yeah. you change the way you fill them because of the things that you've lost or fucked up in your past. Mm, you know? So true. It's so good. I'm going to shift slightly. So normally at the end of the book episode, we talk about like, would this make a good movie or like who should play, you know, and there's actually a play right now in Pasadena, a Dear Sugar play. Oh, really? And Nina, Nia Varvalos from um, Big Fat Greek Wedding. I fuck her name up all the time. She's playing Cheryl Strayed. Cool. And I saw a picture Cheryl Strayed posted on Instagram of her with Nia on one side and Reese on the other side and was like, how insane is this that these are the two women (laughs) that played me my life and I was like well who wants to be me no kidding <laughs> like it just was so cool Reese's book club though and like the the pieces like she must be a big reader she mm-hmm. picks good because she's doing that uh where the crawdad sings she's, she's doing, where doing the, the sings, and I think she's also behind Celeste Ng's book um, um tiny little million little tiny no what the fuck is it called um little fires Lies everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. yeah I think they're doing that mm-hmm. Um, which I've not read. She's Reese's is much, a lot of fiction, mm-hmm. which is not really my wheelhouse, but I did read one of Celestine's books. Anyways. Um, do you have anything else you want to say about this book? I just love it. And I think it's, it's really wonderful. And I think that even if you're not, if you're a Tracy and you're not into like advice books, um, that something in here will speak to you. And the thing is, is that, like I said, like when I just read, it was about a dad and a wedding and stuff and like a problem I haven't had, right. but the advice still spoke to me. Totally. So it's not really about figuring out the advice. It's about, right. it's very universal. The advice is, the, the question is much less important than the answer. So head on over to the stacks yes. and buy your book. Use yes. our affiliate link. I'm yes. just kidding. <laughs> we have it in the show notes, but do get this book, check it out. 
I love this book and I don't like these things correct and it's just really good and you can revisit them mm -hmm. I like I've been mulling over some of them in my head for a little bit just like really good um Kelty thank you for doing this thank you for being here I'm so excited thanks for having me I'll see you in the stacks oh, Trace I'll see you guys in the stacks Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode, and thank you again to Kelty Knight for being our guest. Next week, we'll be joined by a brand new guest, and in two weeks, we'll be discussing Beloved by Toni Morrison for the Stacks Book Club. Remember to get your book recommendations read on air by sending an email to askingthestacks at gmail.com. For more from the Stacks, follow us on social media, at the Stacks Pod on Instagram and at the Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter, and check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. To join the Stacks Pack and get inside access to this show, like our virtual book club and more, go to patreon.com slash the Stacks. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review. Our graphic designer is Robin McCright, and our theme music is from Tagirages. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. I'll see you in the Stacks. <laughs>